The SaaS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today. Joseph Abraham, CEO and founder of Startup Atom, has a virtual sit-down with Saravana Kumar, CEO and founder of Kovai.co. Kovai.co, headquartered in London, with a development center in Coimbatore, India, is a premier enterprise software company offering multiple products at scale, both in the enterprise arena and in the B2B SaaS space. Joseph walks through Saravana's journey of working in the enterprise sector, identifying gaps within the system, and how his entrepreneur streak got the better of him, which led to the birth of Kovai.co and the suite of products they now offer. Listen on to hear Saravana and Kovai's inspiring journey of growth and impact in the SaaS space. Enjoy. Hi, Saravana. Thank you so much for taking your time and joining us on the SaaS Founders Podcast. It's really nice to have you on our show. Love the real small conversation that we had right before this recording. Glad to know about your journey and how, you know, enterprise person sees a pain point and doesn't merely be a spectator, but does something about it. And you're right now in a place where you have amazing suite of products. We'll delve more there, but thanks for taking your time and joining us on the show. Yeah, thank you very much, Joseph, for having me on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation as well. I think we spent about 30 minutes on yeah, absolutely. chat. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I think it's a good to get the context and you know, I'm happy to be on the show. Yeah. Great. Let's talk about your the origin story of Kowe, right? And before that, why the name Kowe, right? What's the significance of the name? And if you can just talk a little bit about that and then we can delve into the origin story of Kowe. Sure. Yeah, I moved to London, like I live in London. I moved to London back in 2000. And it's a typical IT consultant thing. You know, it's very common those days. So even today, like if people move from India to either US or somewhere in the West as an IT consultant. That's how I came to UK. And last 10 years, I spent a lot of time as a consultant working for companies like Accenture, Fidelity, hmm. uh, even Microsoft briefly. And I was specialized in a product called Stock Server. It's a Microsoft product and it's mainly used on the large enterprise integration so typically when you look at any large organization they will use some 15 to 20 different products because it's not that one single software run the entire business right right so you will have probably typically you'll have sap to run your entire back end and supply chain and you might have some kind of an accounting product or some kind of like a hr product and right the challenge is what you typically see in enterprises or you at some point they all need to talk to each other they cannot live on silos and that right. is where this enterprise integration is a very well defined category and every major player like microsoft ibm oracle they all have a product to address that market so i worked on this this stock server and uh, Working as a consultant for 10 years, I realized a lot of gaps in the product when it comes to enterprise customers. One, there's a difference between, if you look at it at the top level, there's a difference between how Microsoft used to operate and, and companies like IBM work. IBM typically comes with a complete package. They'll look at every use case and they'll give like a complete package. Right. Microsoft typically focus at a platform level and they will leave lot of gaps or they won't go much deeper and they leave it to a partner ecosystem to come and fill those gaps. That is why if you look at it today, I think they have about 600,000 partners worldwide because that is how Microsoft was operating before. And I found a lot of gaps in this uh, stock server. 
and I started like around 2010. I just I thought I'll start as a hobby project and that is how the initial story. Something that started as a hobby is a typical startup story, right? Somebody saw a problem and started coding and then it eventually turned out into a company. And always when I registered the company, it was like a both, okay, first in UK. I registered it as a just simply Kovai Limited. Like uh, basically I'm from Coimbatore and uh, the people, I know the glo global audience may not know or even people, a lot of people in India may not know. There is another another name for Coimbatore is called Kovai. Uh, only people in Coimbatore will know that uh, name. Uh, it's a short form of Coimbatore. And I thought, you know, maybe that sounds good. I didn't make too much research. I just thought, okay, let me register as Kovai Limited. But for the first five years or so, we only positioned us as Bistock 360. People know us as only as Bistock 360. Kobe Limited is more of a parent company and we never branded it or we never exposed it too much. But around 2015, 2016, we turned into a multi-product company, like moving from Bistock 360 to creating other products like Serverless 360 and Document 360, etc. And it became a big confusion within confusion and external confusion as well. Internally, like a simple things like what email address should we all have? Is it like every product every is different? And do we have, a, in fact, we have people with at bistock360.com email addresses, at document360.com email addresses, and that, that is one decision. Okay, now it's a time to rebrand and have an umbrella brand and then have multiple products inside the company. And that is where we did a proper branding and then brought Kovai as a company name. In fact, we called us Kovai.co, that is how we brand it. So that's basically, since it's a city, we really wanted to differentiate the business side of things. So we just called it as Kovai.co. Mm. And the story behind that is in UK, there's a company called Confuse.com. Okay. Um, we always call it, you need to call it with the .com. Otherwise, it won't make sense. Right. You can't have a product, you get confused. But always, it's basically yeah. a portal for buying insurance products. Right. That is how, you know, I came out with this idea of, okay, let's call it as Kovai.co as a joint name rather than calling it as Kovai. And that is a brief story about the company name. Wow. <laughs> nice. Really nice. So let's go back to your consulting days. And that's where the entrepreneur was made, right? When you started seeing different things. Talk us through, like, what was the tipping point for you, the inflection point for you, I realized that, okay, I think this is time for me to shed my consulting role and probably take up a whole new mantle and work on, on, on this whole thing because it's very pressing. Sure. I think one thing here is I won't say I just jumped to the, from one side to the other side. It's not Perhaps. all of a sudden I made a decision. Okay. I'm quitting my job this Friday and from Monday <laughs> morning, I'm going to start working on this, uh, this new product. Maybe there is a bit of lesson here for people who are listening. I, what I did was at that time, if I had an opportunity, okay, there is, a, of course, there's a risk involved. You don't know, like, in fact, sometime I was fiddling around with a hobby project, kind of working on some bits and pieces here and there. But then what some, at one point I decided, okay, definitely there's an opportunity there. But at the same time, you know, like you can't take the risk of quitting your job and then start spending time on it. There's a huge risk. Like it came, like I, even in our company history, we have failed products as well. You know, the success of something is a very narrow in well, people only see the success stories people don't yes. know about all the failure stories right so actually yeah. it's in every industry even movies i think the ratio mm. is you know, something like one is to 20 or something like that out of one yep. movie that hits the screen 20 of them will be failed so what i did was 
I went to, I was that time I was working for Fidelity as a consultant. I went to my manager and I said, hey, this is the idea I wanted to try. But at the same time, I can't take the big bet. And it worked out kind of a win-win situation for us. Like they are also heavily dependent on me because of course, a lot of dependency and they can't let me go as well. So I went part-time for about 15 months. So I just did three days with them. And two days I was building this, this product. So it took me about over a year to build the V1 of the product. But that is how I built the V1. And finally, actually, like I sold the license to them as well. And until, I think until, I don't know, 10, 10 or 15 customers, I was actually continuing on the same model. Only after getting the revenue, which is maybe like some kind of revenue coming, I quit the job and then started, I started working full time on the product. Totally makes sense. Awesome. And just quickly take us through what is Koi.co? What is the, you have suite of products. I see five different product lines. Maybe there's more, but what I'm seeing is what I'm sharing. But can you just quickly take us through what does Koi.co do and who is it for? Sure. So we have multiple products. We consolidated them to four products now. In fact, we had multiple products. And so another question people typically ask is, is it good to have a single focus on single product or go as a multi-product? The recommendation I will give is you focus on one product until you mature and grow out of that product before you touch multiple products. So today mm-hmm. we had the same challenge. There's a lot of focus all over the place and we consolidated into four products. Uh, we started the company mainly building solutions on top of uh, Microsoft ecosystem. That is how the company was started. Product Bistock 360 is actually like a value-added product on top of Microsoft Bistock server. And mm-hmm. we focused on the product for about uh, five years. And then we saw an opportunity on Azure and we built a product called Serverless 360. It's a, if you're a Microsoft Azure customer today, and if you're using Azure for your, your solution, we have a product that helps you on the operational side of things because what happens is when you deploy something into Azure, how do you run it on a day-to-day basis? It's a big challenge because the standard tools that comes out of Microsoft is not designed for that and that is a gap we are filling in. So that was the company until 2017, almost end, until 20, end of 2017, we were just the two products. And we identified there is a gap. We wanted to create some great knowledge base, self-service knowledge bases for these products because they are enterprise products and you need to have a very good documentation of those products for the adoption, user adoption. And that is when we identified it in the market. So typically the way it works is you will use some of the customer support products for your for your self-service knowledge base. So we were using Freshdesk as our customer support product and Freshdesk got a small module called self-service knowledge base called solutions. That is where we are able to write those documentation. But what happens is once your knowledge-based team, so a documented technical writing team grows to five people, these tools are not designed for that. They are more designed for one or two percent writing. All Desk, Intercom, Help Scout, all the customer support product will have a module called self-service knowledge base. But their feature set is very limited because that is not their core business. Their core business is customer support, very limited feature set. So things like you need to have version control and workflow and backup and restore mechanism, somebody accidentally deleting articles, things will get complicated when you have a team of people writing your knowledge base. And we started analyzing the market and we didn't find anything suitable. It's a typical founder story there. And then we said, okay, why not build it? We have experience both building products 
and also firsthand seeing the pain point, what a typical team will see working in these kind of things. And that's when Document 360 was evolved. And it's about four and a half years now, and today it's one of the fastest growing products. And the, finally, we have a product called Churn 360 that is on was on stealth mode for last 18 months, and we are releasing mm-hmm. this quarter. Already we are trying with a few beta customers. It's a customer success product. Again, wow. that product came out of our own frustration. Not for, I won't say frustration, We've been doing customer support for 10 years now. We have a lot right. of experience how a customer support, sorry, it's not customer support, customer success. We are not building a customer support product, it's a customer success product. Because we have over 2,000 customers now. Out of the 2,000, 800 of them are like really fortune, fortune, a lot of people on Fortune 100 companies. A lot of them are really big names like IKEA and Boeing and BBC and those kind of customers. It's mission critical for us to have a really good success practices and team to in order to keep them. We still have customers after eight years or something. Customers who bought the product in 2012 are still our customers. So we have hmm. a pretty matured customer success story inside the company and we thought, okay, why don't we transform that into a product? And that is a really upcoming market now. I think a few years ago, there were only a few players like Gainsight and Totango and those kind of big players. But today, that's a well-defined market. And today, everybody wants to do SaaS. And like in SaaS, the main number one thing is customer retention. And customer success products are becoming crucial now. And that is where we are better on that uh, thing. So those are the four products here yeah, under the COVID.comberla. It's a mixed audience. A couple of the products will be useful only if you are in the Microsoft ecosystem. And a couple of products, we are going on a more of a generic market now. Document 360 and Churn 360 are a wide open addressable markets. Yeah. Awesome. And take us through a little bit about, okay, you had this amazing idea. You worked on it and you started seeing initial success. You quit your job, came here. So there was, thesis was proven and it kind of snowballed into something bigger, right? And so how did you actually like rally your team or your co-founders and build a team around this whole thing? Take us through that journey. Okay, I think there's an interesting thing. It's a kind of all odds, basically. If you look at it, the success of what I've done is very narrow. Mm-hmm. I'm a technical founder, no experience in building a company. I'm technical in the sense I'm really hardcore technical, very deep into technology. And just to justify that, Microsoft got a program called Most Valuable Professional. Mm-hmm. So the award people who are, you know, very influential in uh, in uh, in the technology stack. And I'm one among them for the last 16 years. And uh, wow. there, are only, there are only about three and a half thousand, they call it the MVPs, worldwide. All those millions of developers the ecosystem got. And if you narrow it down to a specific technology, Azure and integration, probably there are only about 50 people in the world. So I'm, I'm that technical. So just to give wow. a... Context of somebody coming from like a so deep technical and coming and building a business, it doesn't match like most of the time. You're thinking or different. And the second one, we never raised any money. So it's completely bootstrapped from, right from day one. And to, even today, wow. it's a bootstrapped And the third thing, I don't have a co-founder. They, when you look at, when you go for an investor pitch, they probably won't like these three points. Okay, you are a technical guy. You don't have a co-founder. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, you know, that is how it worked out. Maybe I think I missed the context of the question. What is that? No, but that's totally fine. I, I think I have a follow-up question, which is very interesting. So was when people build 
startups, they usually think that there's a need for co-founder because of complementary skills, right? Because uh, what you have needs to be complemented with somebody else who has something else. In your case, I see you as a solo founder. I'm very intrigued now to ask some follow-up questions. How did that decision, what is the you know, decision-making matrix that you had saying, okay, I think I can still fly solo. So how did that okay. go about? <laughs> I think okay. Now I remember the question you were asking about the people and co-founder, and that is how yeah. the story came. I'm saying I'm not a, I don't have a co-founder. Okay, yeah. I won't say it's all. I planned for it and executed this way. It all happened to some level. It naturally, probably we progressed like that. So the initial product, Vista 360, like that was required. It's a more of a very technical product as well. So in that mm-hmm. case, it worked out well being technical and all the demos I did, the first two over 1000 demos was given by me. And oh, wow. maybe that is also the success factor as well. Because when I go to the demo, I know exactly what are the pain points, what are they suffering and what are all the challenges they will see in there. And I can visualize it basically. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Will be now if this, uh, the conversion rate was like 80%. I If I give a demo, I'll this 80% chance I'll close that one. They're basically mm. able to relate it and are able to do that. In terms of, okay, that in terms of helped being a technical guy. So you didn't really didn't want, don't need to have that much of a business background to close that kind of deals because you're not really operating at bigger scale and a lot of business things. So you need to go the way COVID at course operating, probably being a technical founder cannot help because it's a very mm. complex now. But mm. at the early days, being a technical founder is good enough because I was working on a very small niche area and I was able to run the business at a very small scale. And that helped being like technical and running the business. The last 10 years, of course, I invested heavily on myself and I transformed myself from technical to more business and I had to do a lot of learning and that's what happened last 10 years. Mm. I had to work on some of my technical interest and switch towards... But it's helping me significantly because today all of our EM strategies and marketing, we use a lot of technology. We are going more data-driven and technology-driven rather than like a very high level. That's helped significantly in terms of growth. So that Mm. is from that side. In terms of co-founder, okay, when you started something and when you're running like that for three, four years, Mm. of course, you're you're stabilized by that time. There's no Mm. point bringing somebody later and making them co-founder. But of course, what had happened was we built a very good uh, second management level. They kind of operate like your co-founders, right? Okay, mm. they you know they have an interest in the business and kind of they, there's a lot of ownership for a lot of people in the organization. Like all these different products, they have product owners and they run it like a founders of each product. They run it. Uh, so I'm just sitting on the top and you know orchestrating everything and giving suggestions and uh, more of an investor mentor mindset right at the top. Awesome. So that is how it's internally uh, internally uh, working. And also the bootstrap story, the same. Okay, When we're closing a lot of enterprise deals at the beginning, hmm. the cash flow is always there. You, know, you never had a need to raise capital. And after right. three, four years, when you're very nimble and small, you accumulate the funds required over a period, right? Then it automatically, there was no necessity for any further funding. Wow. So that's really nice to know because a lot of times what happens is even if you go crack the deal, people want you to have the the credibility of or probably the they want to assess your financial health by you know, trying to understand like 
do you have the money to support us and things like that and i think what you're saying is so counterintuitive but it's worked for you so i'm like excited no, okay, about no, this there is a point there you're right so when i when uh, for example we closed deals like shell the third the third or fourth customer is shell the way it worked there is basically shell would have the same due diligence process i was very upfront i was a bit scared i told them i'm just a one person like mm-hmm. i don't have a, i don't have a team i was very upfront uh, with them and they told mm-hmm. them this is what because i thought spending a lot of time and two months later they figuring out and saying hey, there is a one guy building this solution do you really want to build it i just on the very first meeting i told them hey, i am one guy building this product and i gave my background the thing is they didn't have a choice they either buy this product or go and build it themselves and in fact they the way it started was actually they were working with one of the consulting companies that time one of the indian you know like a, i don't know wipro or infosys or somebody like that and they had a requirement internal requirement to do something what bistock 360 was doing and i think the, their estimation came to over a million dollars oh, wow. for them to custom build that so they the tech guys are there. i remember this time still friends with them couple of them they put a pitch inside the shell we have two choices here we can go build it for over a million dollars or bet on this guy for i think the deal was for you know 20 30000 dollars something like that. okay hmm. what do you want hmm. to do hmm. then they said okay they, they took a bet okay let's first try this one and if it works it it, it it's a no brainer basically you don't hmm. need yeah. time, <laughs> energy anything and it's like a 1 by 50th of the price what we are going to pay and they made the right. decision and even today they are our customers because we kept our promise wow. and then we kept on adding more features and today we have a very good relationship there are a lot of i have a lot of stories like that everywhere when we are small at the beginning very upfront this is what it is you are buying for my technical expertise and what i have built mm. and valuable for you you can take it wow wow it it takes a lot of courage to do that so how did from where did you actually like muster that courage what was the source of your courage i don't know so you know i've written some articles about my background the childhood background uh, right mm-hmm. okay i'm the first uh, it's all i think it's all kind of uh, connected you probably won't realize but it maybe mm-hmm. it's all connected so my father like it's never worked for anybody mm-hmm. he and also very not a great education as well maybe in other school level and when he I think he just started a small shop in in coimbatore it's not even coimbatore it's a place called metropolitan that's our that's our native he started a small shop and i am the first son in the family we got i got two brothers but i am the first son so age of like maybe less than 10 i will say i can't remember exactly i need to go and get involved in the business i need to go in the shop and see how things are operating and maybe by the age of 12 13 you are fully engraved into the business you need to deal with money you need to go and deal with the vendors buying stuff for your business and the employees you need to keep track of the day to day like income and you know like all the like keeping records of all those things and that's been my case for until you know, I went to uni it is the same typical story this you'll see a lot of this in uh, typical gujarati families and families right the kids will get involved in the this yes. is not typical it's not that typical in a typical and in a so other true. social very typical that's why it's a very india the marwadis are good at business right because i think it's because they get the kids get involved very early in the so maybe in my case accidentally it happened and near saying that what i see today is basically the principles are the same 
only mm. the scaling right okay partner commission today mm. it's a big thing channel partners and partner commission and how do you establish partner so we if i look if i relate back we did that you know you need to give commission to carpenters otherwise mm. they will not bring business to you they will take you mm. to your so you need to give a cut that's mm. today every business you need to bring all this innovation and carpenter and this you need to give a cut otherwise they right. will take not somewhere else mm. and that is exactly we are doing at scale channel partners and partner commission and establishing partner relationships worldwide maybe i will say some elements of that contributed to making that bold decisions and telling up front hey, this is not going to work you are wasting your time and my time as well let's be up front if this is suitable for you i'm sure i can add value you pitch in the way i can add value for the money you are spending but this is what it is and that honesty as well i'll say maybe helped this guy is honest and let's bet on him and then it worked out got it so you're coming with this new product called churn 360 and how are you at goai.co managing your churn so how do you keep it like at low and how can saas founders build a churn churn proof business okay i think today churn is for every founder i speak to especially in saas the, the number one thing is how can you keep your net retention rate number above 100% because it's a if you don't keep it below 100% you are basically a leaky bucket and you feel eventually you will die if it's below 100% and you're losing 2% month on month and if you don't do anything to bring new customers it literally means you'll die after 5 years 6 years 7 years something like that so churn is the number one problem every saas founder is worried about and that's what I'm trying to address and it's there are a lot of things of course i can't justify within a 5 minute talk but the one key point i what i can convey is people look at it at a if you look at churn at the rear end it's the problem is how do you put it it's actually okay the churn happens because you sold it to a wrong customer oh wow that is the That's number one lovely hmm. not because they didn't like your product or they didn't that that is the point i want to convey you spend a lot of time on hey did this guy log in or did he use this feature did they put it on in next 3 months hmm. but look deep the problem is actually you sold the product to a wrong person that's not the persona say for example in our case let me give a document 360 case right the document 360 is valuable only when you have team of people writing documentation you need to have four or five people in your team writing documentation only then the feature sets what we have will become valuable to you that is where the problems like we need to have some kind of a workflow if i wrote the article somebody need to review it somebody need to check it for seo and marketing kind of things that's a workflow example maybe is there are a lot of features like that which are which makes sense only when you have a really mature technical writing team and documentation team it makes sense but what happens is people somebody buys the product okay i can spend 100 dollars and buy it and this is one single guy writing documentation It, it's still valuable you still can get value out of it but you may be using one two features out of the 20 features what we have in the product so clearly you're not getting the value the maximum value what this product is offering and you after some time you will start comparing us with somebody at a selling it for you know 20 dollars a month yeah totally right? what happen, yeah. eventually you are going to if you look at the problem deeper basically he is not the right icp for you you sold it and eventually he will churn 
So that is what the churn will require a bit more deeper understanding of your persona and whether you're selling it to the right right audience. And again, we are implementing things like honesty. Okay, the sales, let's be very clear. Are you the right right fit for us? You mm-hmm. are just going to waste your time and our time over the next <laughs> four months, right? Not so, true, yeah. you know, that's a message you need to take it. When you look at churn, don't look at the later numbers. You, you need to look at the right at the edge of the front selling to the right customers. Awesome. Also, following a follow-up to that would be, you're in the whole, you have been in the whole integration space, enterprise integration space. Today, SaaS founders as well buy a lot of products and they want to integrate. So what are some of the tips that you can share with them in terms of what should you be mindful about when you're buying products? I know this is not enterprise use case. This is a very straightforward you know, SaaS use case, but what should they be mindful about? No, I think it's same principle, basically. What happened in the enterprise world it's in fact it's a multiply multiplied by multiple folds now. Okay. What happens if you look at covid.co? I think we must be using about 80 different products to run. So the enterprise 20 years ago may might may have only like four big gigantic products. So they might use SAP to do the entire back office and then maybe some CRM. I think that time Siebel maybe the CRM 15 years yeah. ago. Yeah. They'll have only like four or five products to run the entire business. But today, mm-hmm. the software market is going on more focused use cases. Say for a, if I want documentation, I look at Document 360. I don't look at the entire customer support product. And then because we wanted to go deeper and the use cases are getting deeper. So in, now I have two products. I have a customer support product and I have a very sophisticated knowledge-based product. So it just keeps multiplying across the board. Yeah, typically these days, SaaS companies, any company use at least 50 to 100 different tools. And some point they all need to talk to each other. You may want it, for example, marketing and, and sales tools are classic examples. Even today, for example, we use Pipedrive as our as our CRM. We need that mm. contact from CRM that should flow into autopilot for marketing. So when you're looking at today, if you're buying a product, make sure the integration supports are there, these are there because they all will come and fight you if you don't make that decision. Because the, the principle there is today, as you grow, as you mature the company, the products they need to talk to each other. So in terms of whether they have integration capabilities, uh, Document 360, for example, we invest heavily on integration. We integrate with uh, Salesforce, Rustdesk, Zendesk, because the use case could be customers will still using Zendesk, Freshdesk, and Intercom for the, all their customer support. They will use Document 360, but we want a really smooth integration between these products. So you need to look at both the products, first-party integration capabilities, as well as APIs to allow you to like seamlessly talk to that product via your backend. Awesome, awesome. And my there's one quick question before I go to the rapid fire, which will be like very quick, but... What's your favorite metric, Sarvana? In which context? Because uh, I know it's a very, very open and ambiguous <laughs> question. But um, in, in terms of being a founder, right? What do you track every day? Yeah, I think the honest answer will be revenue, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I okay. That is true as well. I feel sales fixes all the problem because you might say, for example, team. You may try to motivate them heavily by doing this and that. But if you're not selling and if your team, if your product is, your company is not growing, your revenue are not growing, that will cause a lot of problems internally. Sales fixes most of the problems. 
and revenue fixes all the problems basically i love this quote i think i can use it like sales fixes most of the problems and revenue fixes all your problems absolutely <laughs> great uh, i have a quick rapid fire and if you answer well i'm going to ship something to you as a hamper depends okay. on how you answer right first question to you is how many hours of sleep do you get every night i get about 7 at least 7 7 7 hours yeah Seven hours, great, awesome. And next question: Is there a movie that you really love? It does, doesn't have to be necessarily inspirational, but any, any movie that you love? Yeah, I generally love movies because that is one one time where I am fully disconnected, and I watch all kind of movies. It doesn't matter. Even people say it's not good movie. I watch it because I see it like more from a founder mindset. Mm-hmm. How much effort has gone into producing that movie? You know, every scene I admire. How much thought mm-hmm. process has gone to today? If you want to build a website, it's a simple page with a few text. That takes yeah. months to do it, right? So but imagine like creating a two and a half hours movie, even if it's a bad movie. What's mm. the thought process have gone inside? Yeah, I think I know these kind of questions are very hard to come with an immediate yeah, answer. But like, yeah. to give a context, I, for example, recently I liked the Vikram movie. You know, like Vikram same movie, okay. lovely. Yeah. And the thought process and how they executed. Awesome. And is there a CEO that you follow or a founder CEO that you love follow? I always say this Irish basically, which is a very good friend of mine and I can chat to him and I go for advice. They basically okay, I can say people like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Elon Musk. You need to relate yourself what you can achieve. Who can, you know, for me, if I focus, I can achieve what Greece has achieved because it's mm. same back right okay yeah. coming from a similar humble background to build this one and i can that is how i need to relate to somebody from whom i can learn and implement things uh, you you only follow that in the next imi- next immediate step i'm sure you know there's a lot of people following me maybe who are in the early stages maybe i might be a reference point and for me the next reference point could be somebody who has done it at that scale it's better to keep track of or following somebody from where you can immediately get inputs and implement on a day to day basis yeah. awesome what's your favorite saas app favorite uh, saas app again it's a sorry i'm putting you on spot <laughs> no it's it 80 80 different products yeah i don't have any particular thing it's a, again it's a category specific if you ask me what is the best crm product what is the best yeah, marketing like, product Let, yeah, let's go. What's your best communication product? Team communication yeah. product. I don't know. I use Teams a lot, and in fact, I think Teams is a really good product. People, we run our entire business using Teams, and mm. I use it today. I run everything in Teams. Even I have personal channels for myself, and personal Teams and personal channels. So even all my notes and repository, everything in Teams. So that's wow. only one one product, one tool I use it. Yeah, I think if I look them, if I maybe metrics wise, probably I'll spend eighty percent of my time within Teams. I run the entire meetings and even one on ones. Everything runs in Teams for me. Totally makes sense. And my last question, rapid fire question is: How has pandemic changed your life? Yeah, I think you start to appreciate things more. I always do have a belief like you need to enjoy life. It's not mm-hmm. that that's a mistake what people do. You work hard for twenty years, and by the time it's too late for you to enjoy. If you want to buy it twenty years, <laughs> everybody can afford. Who's mm-hmm. on their forties? They can buy any car. To be honest, they can mm-hmm. buy any car. It's just a mm-hmm. mindset. Mm. whether you want to sell it or not no you just need to be you know like just enjoy it so pandemic i think maybe 
opened up that thought for a lot of people. Things can change drastically. A lot of mm. things are outside your control. You can't control your own destiny a lot mm. of times. Just uh, be, uh, enjoy what you're doing, spend time with family and friends. And But I, personally, I've been doing all this for a long time. It's not, nothing much changed the pandemic, but you know, maybe it opened, it would have opened up for a lot of people. There are more important things in life here. Yeah. Awesome. So I think I'm done with all my rapid fire round and I'm ask, I'm going to ask you one last question that I ask every guest who comes up on the show, which is what's something that you wish you knew when you were 20? This is like, yeah. I think the thing is uh, maybe prioritize uh, learning over, over uh, what, what is the right word, commercial things, maybe. I think that mm. is uh, one mm. mistake what people do now, even all this whole great resignation, right? If you look at it, a mm. lot of them are shifting because, okay, somebody is giving me whatever... 100% hike, 50% hike, whatever. But uh, they're all short term. After two, three years, it won't make sense. Yeah, you, you'll go and get stuck there. Maybe mm. if you're where you are, it might take you know, maybe another two years for you to get there. Mm. But imagine the company has given you so much opportunity to learn for the two years. Mm. And when you come to that point, you will be a much better person and you will be a much better position than advertising, okay, I need more money now. Especially early days, money may, won't make any sense. If I look back, mm. I worked for 3,000 rupees monthly salary for two years. Wow. Wow. And so at that time, if I prioritize somebody giving me 10,000 rupees, that's 3x mm. my revenue, right? Mm. And, I, and I, if I ended up in a place where there was no learning, or imagine that it would have tra- transformed your life complete projection, right? Yeah. The, yeah. That's so very important. Absolutely. At very early stages, then those numbers are not big numbers. Moving from whatever eight lakhs, even moving from whatever eight lakhs to twenty lakhs looks like a gigantic mm. jump, but that can change your course of your life in the long term. Absolutely so true. Wow, these are these are some amazing life lessons. Thank you so much, Saruna, to to share you shared you opened up you shared about your journey and you shared about how things shaped and i was quite intrigued by a lot of different things in fact what caught my attention was that hey you can be a solo founder you don't have to necessarily so i think there's a lot of challenge challenge the status quo that you have done probably some intentionally some non-intentionally but it's amazing to know you as a person and know the story of kove thank you so much for joining us on our show Hey, thank you very much, Joseph. I really enjoyed the last 45 minutes or so. Yeah, I think thank you very much. Yeah. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the SaaS Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non-dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help. With their unique approach, you can receive up to 75% of your projected revenue as upfront capital and all within just three days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on the show.